You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Introducing our Pigeon Radio Australia presenter and executive producer of the show, Ivan Fonti. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Pigeon Radio Australia brought to you here on our great community radio station which is 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. And uh, we've got an exciting show for you today. We've got the Federation winner from the Central Cumberland Pigeon Federation in Sydney once again as they've started racing early up there. We've got the Cairns Pigeon Club also coming on. Uh, Dr. Rob Marshall's going to be on because there's a little bit of a twist in the story of the uh, Central Cumberland Pigeon Federation winner this week. And also we have a tribute to the late and great... Noel Fleming, who passed away last week. So, um, yeah, that'll be good. And we've got Rod Churchill, president of the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation, coming on as well. But uh, we first of all, we've got to introduce the Falcon, the Maltese Falcon. Come closer. I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you an astounding story. The story of the Maltese Falcon. 600 years, the falcon has carried the mystery of a fabulous wealth under its grotesque wing to the Maltese falcon. Introducing, once again, to Pigeon Radio Australia, our regular and the original Maltese falcon, Tony Barbara. Good morning, Tony, Barbara. How are you this morning? And welcome back to Pigeon Radio Australia, mate. Good evening. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, listeners. And good morning to everybody around the world. Are you losing your voice, Tony? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we better introduce the Italian stallion right now here on Pigeon Radio Australia, as we do every week. He's rolling into the studio as we speak.
and he's back folks let's give him a warm welcome back to pigeon radio australia introducing the one and only pigeon racing italian stallion joe angelino Good morning, Mr. Joe Angelina. How are you? Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Ivan Fonte. Good morning, Tony. Have a look what I got for you guys this morning. What do you got? Donut for you. <laughs> Coffee scroll for you. Yeah, thank you. And a nice, nice jam donut for me. Delicious. Jam donut. How's your well, coffee this morning? Coffee good. Good, good, yeah. good. good. And yourself? Good. Very good. That's it. That's it. How's uh, how's the training? You've been t- you trained your birds yet? Yes. Oh, beauty. How'd they Don't go? Don't worry about it. I'm oh, not saying secret, nothing. Secrets, secrets, sir. Uh, secrets of the champions, they say. What about you, Tony? Where's your birds going? Well, I didn't take them out. I gave them a holiday. A holiday, okay. <laughs> it was raining anywhere at my place. Is there? Rain is good. I don't like to take a mic when it's raining. Tony, oh, you know what we've got to do right now? I've got, got to tell you what we've got to do. What do you got to do? What do you, what do you mean to do? Well, I've got to do this. What do you... It's a very happy birthday oh, to Mr. Wow, Joseph geez. Angelino. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you very, very <laughs> much. Yep, yep. <laughs> Thank you very much. 35 years young and I look down the day old. Look at me. Look at me. Jeez. <laughs> and the rest. Uh, and the rest. Don't you worry. You guys make me look young. That's all yeah, I'm Yeah, you reckon. <laughs> You'll, uh, ca- you'll uh, catch up you. to us. Ah, what do you mean? I am. Oh, I'm around the corner from you. Let me catch up. Anyway, thank you very much for That's that. That's all right. Very no good. worries. Very and uh, well, I've got a surprise for you in the studio later, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that off air. You got me an imported pigeon. Yeah, imported pigeon. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, nice, nice. Other people ask for us, other things. Me, I want a pigeon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we've got an exciting show and we, we better uh, yes, we take a break right now and uh, we'll be back after we listen to a few of our great sponsors here on Pigeon Radio Australia with more of Pigeon Radio Australia here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. Green Valley Grains is a proud Australian family-owned business that uses only quality Australian Australian-grown ingredients. Green Valley Grains products deliver superior nutrition for a range of animals, including poultry, farm, bird and small animal. A Green Valley Pigeon Blend, whether it's the new High Flyer mix, racing, breeding or original pigeon mix with Pro Nature, guarantees feed-safe accredited quality for your birds. Visit Southern FM sponsor greenvalleygrains.com. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Taramood stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Roanfreed Pigeon Products. 
Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons' inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor Pigeon Racing Victoria presents the Victoria Cup 2023. With a guaranteed first prize of $100,000, Australia's biggest race is on again, this time from Cobar, New South Wales, on Sunday the 24th of September 2023. For details, visit pigeonracingvictoria.com. Southern FM Sponsor. Australia on 88.3 Southern FM. The sounds of the Bayside. All the way, down under, in Melbourne, Australia. The only devoted racing pigeon radio show, in the world. On the line for Pigeon Radio Australia, we have our Central Cumberland Pigeon Federation correspondent for Pigeon Radio and that's David Gordon. Hello, David. How are you? And welcome back to Pigeon Radio Australia. Hello. How are you going, boys? G'day, yeah, mate. Cool. How are you? No, not too bad. Not that's too bad. That's the way. Now, you've got some results. An interesting race this week. Again, from the same spot as last week. Yeah, yeah. We're at our second and final Kalbara, which is you know, approximately 120, 130 kilometres of the average distance from Sydney down the south coast there. Uh, we had two, uh, 248 flies compete with about uh, 4,700 birds, roughly. That's what you call the federation. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good, good liberation there. So uh, it wasn't too bad. It turned out a good race in the end, roughly the same speed as last week, too. Yeah. yeah so um, I'll read you the top ten. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, top ten this week in the Cumberland Fed, which is a big achievement. In tenth place, Milad Boussed. In ninth place, Kevin Gamble. In eighth place, Rob Marshall. Seventh place, Steve Shears. Sixth place, Rod Sedgwick. Fifth place, Ali Cara. Fourth place, Ryan Coy. Third place, Peace Milohov and family. Second place, Tony Adard. And first place, Art Giltman and son from Northern Suburbs with oh, a fantastic unreal. result with a winning velocity of 14.22. So it was a fast one again. Yeah, oh, that's, that's average here. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a slow one for us. <laughs> Unless we're flying north. Uh, that's, that's, that's so how did the S&D Gordon go? Yeah. Oh, Come yeah. Come on. Third, third club, uh, well, no, 56 feet or something. So not as not as good as my usual standard. Well, mate, 56 feet is not nothing to laugh about against 247 flies. My son flies a standalone junior um, in the same loft, and he actually beat me this week. Oh, so. did he? <laughs> What's his name? Yeah. Your son? What was his name? I couldn't. I couldn't believe all my um, prize sprint birds that have won from everywhere, and uh, this 
Grizzle shows up first, and we'll just get oh, no. So Joe Angelino didn't happen to breathe that Grizzle. Seventeen <laughs> seconds, but it was the longest seventeen seconds of my life. Oh, geez. you didn't get oh, that. Just... You didn't get that uh, Grizzle from Joe Angelino, did he? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I actually bought it from, from our squeaker sale. It's a um, okay. It's bred by our liberator, so he oh, really good. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. So he would have been happy, your son, yeah. Oh, he was over the moon. He was dancing in the back. He was dancing in the yard and then picking on me saying how he beat me. So, What's your son's uh, name, I guess? What's... I'll give him his credit for the week. What's his yeah. name, your son? Your son's uh, name? Oliver. Oliver. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, should, we should put him on and say uh, congratulations. He was a brutal trainer. We had his all separate uh, this year for a while and uh, he'd go out there after school in the middle of summer with they had no feathers and he's kicking them out um, at 36 degrees and chasing them with a broom and getting them up working. So, Good on him. There, there's a word of advice for everyone. Get them up in that heat. It seems to work for him. So, <laughs> Good on and him. He's had- He's got 100% returns for the two races, too. Gee, oh, going well. Look out, mate. You, you've got some competition yeah, there in your own backyard. over from me. So. How, how old is he? No, he's only five. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so he, he's been putting on um, life rings and everything from three years old, so he's really good. He loves it. Oh, how mate. good is that? There's yeah, so the future in the sport, mate. Safety. That's You're doing a good job by uh, encouraging him because he'll be racing for a long mate, time to come. He, he, He's a good help, I tell you. Between him and my wife, very, very good help. Well, it's good, mate, to have the family involved. You can't go wrong. No, that's right, that's right. But uh, I've just got to get rid of this falcon here. He keeps hounding us. So we get rid of him, we'll be back in the winner's circle hopefully next week. Just tell it to go away. So can you please go I've, away? I've asked it nicely. It just yeah. doesn't listen. So, yeah, you, have to um, be, you know yeah, what you've got to do? You've got to get, um, what do you call it, some pots and pans and start banging them in the <laughs> I've got, to, I've got to get some more grizzles from sales. That's what I heard. Yeah, man. that's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, good one. Oh, all good, boys. All right, mate. Thanks very much, and we'll catch up with you again next week. Good luck for next week, mate. To it. Thanks, boys. Hopefully I'll be at the right end of it this time. Yeah, right. you will. No right. worries. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Green Valley Grains is a proud Australian family-owned business that uses only quality Australian-grown ingredients. Green Valley Grains products deliver superior nutrition for a range of animals, including poultry, farm, bird and small animal. A Green Valley Pigeon Blend, whether it's the new High Flyer mix, racing, breeding or original pigeon mix with Pro Nature, guarantees feed-safe accredited quality for your birds. Visit Southern FM sponsor GreenValleyGrains.com. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Taramid. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Taramid stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Toulon Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products, 
that will help you maintain your racing pigeon's inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor Pigeon Racing Victoria presents the Victoria Cup 2023. With a guaranteed first prize of $100,000, Australia's biggest race is on again, this time from Cobar, New South Wales, on Sunday the 24th of September 2023. For details, visit pigeonracingvictoria.com. Southern FM Sponsor. Radio Australia, here from the studios of Pigeon Media in Melbourne, Australia. This is the only devoted Pigeon Radio show in the world. Tune in live worldwide via our website at www.pigeonmedia.com.au. On the line for Pigeon Radio Australia, we have the winner of the Central Cumberland Pigeon Federation race this week from Colboa, and uh, we've got uh, Bob Lintonen online, and also our Pigeon Radio Australia vet, Dr. Rob Marshall. Hello to you both, and welcome back to Pigeon Radio Australia, uh, Rob, and uh, Bob. welcome to Pigeon Radio Australia, Bob. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> now, just tell us about <laughs> you. <laughs> tell us about your win, uh, Bob, on 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 the weekend. Uh, well, it was uh, very surprising. Um, that other chap you've got on the line has a lot to do with it because he uh, found a few things that were going wrong and um, he had a good talk to me and put me on the straight and narrow, but I didn't dream that they would come good so quickly. But they did, and an all credit to Rob. Good on you, I Rob. Think, I think it's, hey, Bob, I think it's probably world record, 200th to first in two weeks. Yeah, yeah it's not bad, <laughs> is it? <laughs> that is very good. That's how, excellent. How good so... That? What, do you do you mind telling us what the problem was, or I, I can explain quickly for yeah. you, Bob, um, Ivan. Yep. Um, essentially, there was a food problem. Like um, I handled Bob's birds on the first race, and they felt superb. And I made, I made a comment to him that his birds always handle much better than mine, um, and and they did um, on that night. And I was quite surprised when he came two hundredth in mm. the bed. And I think there was how many, 245? So it's yeah. a, fair, a fair result, isn't it, 200 down the other end? Yeah. Um, and um, I think it's probably harder to come last than first sometimes. So um, so I, I said to Bob on 
because Bob's in our club and I've known Bob um, since the 90s and I, I knew his father who was um, as kind to me as Bob is. Um, his, his father's name was Bob as well. Mm. And um, he, uh, uh, do you want a story about um, Bob? Senior? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go. Yeah. 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 So um, it's quite interesting because this was in the 90s and um, – I, I asked Bob how, how you feed them, and he said, um, it's a bit like fishing. That's what his answer was like. And um, I, I didn't even, because I was so naive and um, a bit uh, self-conscious, I didn't ask him what it meant. And, and it took me until, you know, about 2010 to understand what he meant by fishing. Would you know what he meant by fishing, Ivan? Well, it's a bit like, oh, well, you've got to be patient, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so my understanding is probably all wrong, and Bob, Bob Gooden and Junior, who's there, can probably say I'm right or wrong. But it's when, you throw, it's when you throw a bit of food on the ground with barley in it, and you throw it on the ground, and, you, and then they eat it, and they throw it again, and then they don't, they leave the barley. I think that's what he meant by fishing. Is that okay. right, Bob? Yeah, pretty much. Like um, you've got, you've got to go know when to when to, to to give it, like the, the the reel, and then bring the reel in. You know, like it's a, you know, the difference between underfeeding and overfeeding can be just a couple of peas or a couple of bits of corn or something. That's what he was getting to. You've got to know yeah, when to yeah. give and when to take. Yeah, and he had a lot of expressions like that, which yeah. I, I took a long time. To try and work out what they meant, but I didn't really ask. And he expected <laughs> Ivan to work it out straight away. Yeah. And uh, there was another one um, that he, he said. Now, this bird, he handled these birds uh, at my loft, and he said, Yes, this bird's a stock bird, but this bird's a race bird. <laughs> and uh, I never knew what he meant until I, for many years later as well. Do you know what that means, Ivan? No, no, you better enlighten us on that one, Rob. <laughs> I might be wrong again, so Bob will have to help me here. But when my understanding is that um, the confirmation was perfect in the um, in the one that was breeding. They're both highly performed birds, and he said this one's for breeding. Um, and I'm, my understanding is that the confirmation is is perfect, and the other one, the confirmation was everywhere, but it was a good race bird. Is that right, Bob? Yeah, that's right on the lines, yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so uh, we'll get back to it. So essentially um, um, on, on, the, on the Sunday um, I, I phoned up Bob and said uh, maybe I should sort of look at the birds and work some things out. So um, we looked at some droppings on a Sunday and then I said the first and foremost, bring your food up so I can have a look at it, right? So um, Bob brought the food up. And when he brought it up, I gave him all of my food. So he used my food straight away, um, Ivan. Um, but yeah. I didn't have uh, any corn. Uh, well, uh, Bob, actually, Bob started already. He just put them onto um, wheat and peas, didn't you, Bob? That's right, yep, yep. Yeah, and then on a Sunday we got some more food so we could uh, give me time to check his other food to see which oh. ones he could use and which ones he couldn't. Oh. Um, so essentially, um, what what bad food? It's, a, it's actually a good conversation, Ivan, because yeah, it is. What, what what bad food does? It it suppresses the immunity, right? And yeah. also, bad food, uh, the toxins in it 
affect the brain so the birds don't orientate properly. So that's why um, in a race they don't leave the race point quickly mm. and then they, they don't go on line of flight. They go out west, which was a drag in our federation and out west is a fair way from where Bob lives and so they've gone out to Blacktown, had a bit of a picnic there and then came back um, off the west to Bob. And so that explains why the results were a little bit poor. Mm. So, um, but the, the the important thing about, more importantly, is that um, the food situation predisposes to infection because it suppresses immunity. And um, so that's why the advantage of looking at droppings, Ivan, and you're very yeah. good at this. Yeah. And um, uh, on the droppings microscopic, you can tell. Uh, you get tar- uh, indicators or markers of diseases, and that's yep. what we look for when looking at the droppings. And we found a few markers of disease for Bob, so we worked on that. And um, and um, I handled them on Friday night, and they felt exactly the same as the previous <laughs> Friday <laughs> night. Perfect. <laughs> and um, but instead of coming two hundredth, Bob came first, which is great. Oh, that's unbelievable! So, and I believe there's so another is... there's another spin to this story also, and that's um, you bred the bird, uh, Rob. Um, well, what what happens is um, over the years, Bob Bob has uh, been very kind, and he's read um, my birds off my very best pairs. But I, I he's not allowed to take those birds. I take them back, right? But <laughs> Um, and, and last rounds, that's what you do for me, Bob, and you never, you always, I always take them back, don't I? Yeah, we, we have, might have to change that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> with this one, with this one, uh, I gifted um, Bob this bird three years ago, and um, that's a good thing with Bob. He holds on to the birds. He loves them so much that he doesn't raise them too much, and so you got to, is he a three- or four-year-old, Bob? What was he? Three-year-old he is. Yeah, it's three-year-old. Has he raced much or? Yeah, yeah, I, I did time him in once last year, but, of course, the birds were off. And then plus, I had yeah. that virus for the three years in a row too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this is the first time, like, when I – well, he was jackpot last week. I thought he, he handled superb. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's why he was the jackpot. But he's always yeah. a consistent cock. Yeah, so that's the story, Ivan. So I'll let you um, get on it with Bob and I'm going to leave now, okay? All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for that. See you later, Rob. See you, Bye. 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 Now, Bob, uh, tell us a little bit about your history in pigeon racing. How did you get involved in pigeon racing? Well, my father had them all his life, and uh, my mother's father had them all his life. So with me, it was pretty much hereditary. So it's, yeah, running through the family, yeah? Yep, yep. Now, yeah, um, my dad... My dad and I were a partnership, Giltner and Son, from the eight. Well, from I can remember the birds when when I was nine and ten years. I can still remember their numbers. We were, I was mad keen on them, oh, even at that young age. And he was a very, very good pigeon flyer. My dad as well. Oh, excellent! Now, um, Rob informed me that uh, you were a Davis Cup tennis player as well. Yeah, yes, played a bit of tennis in the past. Yeah, yeah, in the seventies, Davis Cup for Australia was. Really good. Oh, excellent. And some of the training that you did for the tennis, do you uh, use some of those methods for the birds? <laughs> no, no, not really. I think I'd have to train too hard. For what I, I wouldn't do that to me poor old pigeons. <laughs> I don't train them so hard. I just, uh, in fact, most of the time now, I, uh, I, you know, I'll get them a surplus here and there, but generally I don't toss them. 
I just, um, you know, they, they race a bit, but uh, it's where I am, it's very difficult to be able to, to toss the bird, so I do very little of it, but I make sure they work properly. So how do you get them fit, race fit? Oh, well, they basically get themselves fit. But my, my birds, when I have them right, they, they'll, you know, I'll let my hens out, they'll go and work for a solid hour. And uh, the cocks, you know, they'll they'll do the same. They 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 and once they've had it, well, they had their first. That was their first go when they had the surplus um, last week, and then 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 straight away that one of those uh, tops the fed the next week. So, you know, then they're pretty bright pigeons. I don't, you know, I don't. So it is. It is. Po- a lot of people say that it's not possible to raise a pigeon if you don't constantly take them up the road. Yeah, that's what some say, but that's um, I don't believe that. As I know, flyers that have flown quite well, and they didn't believe in tossing. One of them said to me, "You know, it's just not fair to the pigeon to think he's that stupid that <laughs> you had to toss him." <laughs> and, and I believe, like most, some people say that you must uh, take the birds on the line of flight of the race uh, schedule that you're following that season. But I always say to people, "Well, I don't think you've got to teach pigeons how to get home. You just got to get them fit." Yeah, they don't. They uh, don't read maps, which is a good thing. But I mean, I've in the past I've had a hen that won uh, in the NRP, got fifth in the national on the Saturday from the south, and then the next week I sent her to the north, and she got sixth in the national. So you know, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. I think it's beneficial if they're on the same line, but uh, certainly a really a, a really good pigeon will will usually perform from anywhere. Mm. Mm. G'day, Bob. This is Joe Angelino. How are you going? Hey, good, mate, good. That's the way. Listen, is this your first Fed win? No. No, no. How many Fed no. wins have you had? Oh, in Cumberland, only the two. Two. I, I should have had another one. I had one there to yeah. win top it by two minutes. The cop at one four for me, but I scared him on the day and he took off on me. Well, congratulations anyway for this win. Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah I mean, you fly against uh, over 200 members. That's, that's yeah, we unreal. had uh, two hundred and forty-eight, I think. Flew yeah, something. Yeah, two hundred and forty-eight. Yeah, you're right. That's really good. Um, now, your feeding. What, what do you? What do you feed your birds? Yeah, light mix. Well, I, mix? I, I, you, normally get? I would use lots of grains. I mean, uh, I, I, I have like peas, corn, wheat, milo, barley, a bit of safflower, a bit of hold oats, but um, you know, I just find. In recent years, it's just very difficult to get good feed. Um, in the years gone by, when I was flying with my dad and that, uh, we've never had any trouble. All the feed you got all the time was fantastic, but I believe they, whatever's like whatever's A1 quality goes overseas now. Yeah, yeah you're right there. Uh, yeah, so just getting back with your the way you prepare your birds for racing, so you actually mm. have, you don't take them on any training tosses at all. No, no, no. Occasionally, normally I, I have enough other times, but the, the the most they would get those ones that like that uh, raced. I, I go from here. I'm a thirty, thirty. I think thirty kilometres from Sutherland. That's that. I give. I usually give them a Sutherland toss, and, and then I go straight into the race after that. So yeah, so you take them about thirty kilometres and then put them straight into the race. Yeah, that's what I, I do. I always give them a. A thirty kilometres, their first toss, because I, I just, I, where I am, I just can't. Uh, I've got fifty steps up and down, and I've got both knees are bone on bone, and I just can't basket the birds and go up fifty steps and up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah, fair so, enough. So uh, you know, I just get the courage one night to, to basket them up when they're working well. They've got to be working really well, 
because I've heard so many blokes take them, you know, even 10 kilometres and lose half of them, and it's just that they're not, they're just not ready for it to be tossed. But Correct. I make sure my uh, the birds are really primed to, uh, if they got into trouble, I know they're going to fly five hours, no trouble. So what does Bob look for in his birds when they're, um, so, you know, if, when do you know that they're ready? What, what do you look for? Oh, just general. I mean, I, I like to think that, you know, they're very tame in the loft. Um, and they're very relaxed in the perch. I, you know, I like to see them sitting down a lot. A lot of the times with their wings hanging down the perch. Yep. And just um, natural. When I when you feed them, I like to see the cocks bashing each other up all the time. You know, just a lot yeah. of lot of movement in, in the loft, a lot of vitality, and of course, just looking at the pigeon itself, the eye so bright. There's oh, there's yeah. so many things, yeah. and making sure you know that there's never never any um, crap on their tails or on their feathers that they're all shining and clean. There's many, many things I look for, but you know, you know, you know when they're when they're right just by looking at the pigeon themselves. Generally, how do you, how long do you like them to fly for around the loft? Um, well, my hens, um, I don't, I don't really like to see them flying any more than forty minutes around the loft. To be honest with you, okay. And um, once once they've had a couple of races, I, I like to um, my cocks. I just uh, give them half an hour. Yep. And yep. I make sure that they want to come in on the half an hour. And the hens, if if they do a forty minute that's uh, flat strap, then I'm very very confident with them. So you separate heads and cocks in your loft? I do. I I I I've had a bit a lot of success with the sprint team at, when I flew with Dad at Campsy, just having some uh, champion cocks and hens that we had at the time, and I went all right. But generally, I I, I separate my my cocks seem to want to mate up all the time and play up with the hens and bring the hens back working and stuff like that. So I, mm. I generally keep them separated. Mm. Yeah, so um, let me ask you something. Where do, where do you see mm. pigeon racing in uh, 10 years' time? Um, gee, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, well, when I first moved to the northern beaches here, they had, they were, oh, a few years before that, there was like 60, 70 flyers. Now we're down to four and five. You see, yeah, it's it's yeah. everywhere. That's and I everywhere. Think, uh, I think that I think uh, I mean in ten years, I I think it'll might, might be just about finished. I would think yeah, things are getting you know things are getting so dear. Yeah, you're not wrong. And that's, um, yeah. that's, and you don't, I remember an old pigeon flyer said to me uh, said to me, pigeon pigeon racing will be finished soon. He said because uh, the people the boys aren't jumping my back fence and pinching my pigeons anymore. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. And there was name at camps, and we used to get them in our place trying to pinch the birds all oh, the time. Oh, no. Yeah, it, I think it's just so expensive for a young fellow to come into the game now. It is. It now, is. You, you did with your dad. Were you racing with your dad? And I heard um, that you you excelled in, in distance racing. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we did well. Yeah, we did well in distance racing. But, we, you know, when we flew well, we, um, we were pretty good off the sprints. But, uh, yeah, distance racing, we had good results, like in second in the Rockhampton Combines and uh, first in a Renmark Smash Combine and second in a Renmark Smash Combine. Um, you know, we, you know, I think we did pretty well overall with the, with the distance. Now, um, I was going to ask you, um, you've been racing for many years now and uh, we've had a lot of these new imports coming in from overseas. How do you yep. compare the birds that you used to race with your dad to these new birds coming in now yeah i think there's still a certainly a place for the australian pigeon uh, but uh see i don't know what it's like in victoria but here now um 
you know, they're Cumberland are flying the south, which is usually fast, and then they go southwest fast, out west very fast. So the the real long distance pigeons, uh, they, they're just uh, not not really necessary anymore. Oh. Those those birds that you you know you put into Bundaberg and you know you're gonna you know they'll be up at six and they're gonna if they don't get home on the day you know they're gonna get up next morning and come straight oh. on at first light. Yeah. Those sort of pigeons, are, you know, they're, they're not really needed anymore here in New South Wales. Really? In Sydney? Well, in Melbourne, well, in they, Sydney, yeah. they... Well, you've got a, a certain amount of um, pigeon flies in Melbourne that that like their distance racing, and I suppose you have to cater for everybody's uh, likes, and yeah. uh, you, you get a lot of people that are very excited about the long-distance racing, and if they do well, a lot of the flies here get very excited that those birds have done well, from those distances. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I agree in whole other. There's nothing better than, you know, that Rockhampton I was talking about. It was an absolute smash. Mm. But that particular hen I timed in, she used to go. She would go and work for two and three hours nearly every day. Gee. And uh, uh, yeah, we sent her to Rockhampton. They got a stinker, and it was a, a thirty knot um, wind straight in their face, and they, there was nothing home on the day, of course. And I timed her in at twenty past five the next afternoon. And there was only four pigeons ever got home. Gee, that's very good. That would have been a big mm. buzz. Yeah, and that's the same with Renmark. The, the Renmark smash I won, there was only a handful home. And then the, the other Renmark smash that I got second in, there was only four ever got home. I mean, you're talking about real smashes, you know? Yeah, so you must have some definitely good hard day birds. Oh, yeah, I've got some really good hard day birds here. But in fact, well, last year I didn't, didn't even breed out of them, to be honest, because yeah. it's... You know, I just don't need them, really. <laughs> uh, that's fair enough. Hey, I want to ask you about your feeding. Do you feed heavy at the start of the week or towards the end of the week? No, I usually just keep it uh, balanced pretty much. I just feed to the weather. I, okay. I, never, I, I haven't measured feed for 40 years, so I, I just feed them by hand and, uh, you know, I, I sort of I, well, I kid myself that I know when I should give a bit and take a bit off them, but, but mainly feed by the weather when the cold snap or whatever. Okay. And, uh, you know, if, it's a, if you've got a warm day, well, I usually take a fair bit away. But, I mean, I think for the, you know, if you've got people listening that are just starting out in pigeons, I think the very, the best way to feed is just um, once you, once you're feeding your birds and you see a couple of the hens or cocks just, you know, leave the tray and want to have a drink of water, well, I think you just take the food straight away. Yeah, I, I was told that too when I was I think starting. I think that's about the best way if you're a novice starting in the game. Mm. Talking about novices, what other tips can you give a novice? Oh well, I mean that's I think that's the main one. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, uh, you know, don't get if you are a novice, I think you've got to again make sure your birds are working well before you start thinking about taking them any mm. distances. Well, a lot that's of people enough. these novices they get on the internet now, and you see different yeah. videos of different people doing different things yeah. with their birds, and they sort of. I think they get into some sort of a panic and say, oh, I've got to get them up the road, and they try to force them up to 30, 40, 50 kilometres before they're really ready to do that. They push them too quick. Yeah, well, how many times have you heard the bloke, oh, the bloke lost 60 birds in the toss today, or the bloke Heaps. lost 40 pigeons, or he Heaps. tossed 100 and he's only got 10 home. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 you hear that every year, every season. Because the and birds I, aren't I ready. all my years of flying with my dad and whatever, um, I've had one bad toss where I think I lost it. I lost twenty pigeons out of say a hundred. That's the worst toss we've ever had. Mm. Yeah, so. And everyone has one of them. So if you do toss, how do you 
how, how would you tell a novice to start them off? Ah, well, I'd, I'd tell them to just uh, to start them just, um, as I say, make sure that they're working pretty reasonably and then don't take them too far. Maybe take them only five kilometres, but make sure they're working okay just oh. in case. I mean, you can be unlucky enough that you liberate them and then some batch of pigeons comes flying through That's and right. picks them up and away they go. <laughs> so I think you've got to make sure that your pigeons are are ready. As I say, mine... You know, it was their first toss was at Sutherland, but I knew that they were ready to fly five hours just by the way they were behaving at the loft. Mm. Mm. So observation is the key. Observation, correct? Well, yeah, I think I think when you walk into a pigeon loft, you should notice something every time. Correct. You shouldn't walk out of the loft not knowing that you haven't noticed something about the pigeons or, you know, just something in the loft. Exactly, 100% right. Yeah, that's true. So how do you think your birds are going to perform in the next few weeks? Um, well, I'm hopeful they'll be hard to beat now that I've got the feed right. As I say, I was, you know, Rob more or less said, well, you were feeding them poison. So I've, um, hopefully I can get back to flying how I used to fly, where I was winning fed averages and, you know, winning a lots, of, lots of races. I mean, my dad and I, one year, we won 20 races in the one club with 22 members. Out of twenty-three races, so we've, Jesus, you know, we've done it all in the past. So yeah. um, I'm hopeful now that I've, um, you know, I lost a lot of, um, let's say, well, not love of the pigeons. I've always loved the pigeons, but when my dad died, we were we were more than father and son. We were best mates. We yeah, just loved beautiful. each other completely, beautiful. you know. And when he died, he was my, you know, he, he used to toss my birds all the time. He used to love tossing them, and uh, you know, we were just a great team. But when when dad passed, well. It, uh, knocked me around a lot, you know. 100%, I'm hearing you. Well, I see that you, you, your son races with you, don't, doesn't he? Uh, no, I, I just, uh, it's Gilton and son, but my, I made sure that he didn't uh, get interested in the birds because it's, I mean, they've cost me so much over the years. The time that you spend with the birds, I, you know, there were so much things, so many things and opportunities that I had to do and I knocked them all back because I, you know, because of the pigeons. In fact, even my tennis at Davis Cup level, it, that was always a second choice to pigeons. See? It was always pigeons. Was you know so when I was pigeons were always in the front. All I was thinking about was pigeons. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's a beautiful disease, isn't it? It's a, <laughs> 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 it's like said to me, you don't have to be mad to help have pigeons, but it sure helps. Yeah. yeah. Now, now talking about uh, a few of the good times you had, can you tell mm. us what one of your memorable moments in pigeon racing? Um, well, I think seeing that hen come at 20 past five on the second day from Rockhampton's got yeah. to be right up there. Okay. And then a, another a red hen I had um, on the second day from uh, Renmark. And then uh, again, Renmark, the smash when there was none home and it was 11, I was in the 11.17 on the, on, the, on the second day with her, you know, just walking in and said, there's, well, we've got one, you know, all those. I mean, there's probably a thousand over the years of, you know, yeah, you send a pigeon yeah. and you've primed it and you think, oh, you know, I'll get him today and boom, he comes around, you've won the club all pearls and jackpot with the one that you thought you would win with, you know, all, all those sort of things. Yeah. Just numerous, numerous things that I've had over the years that I always think about. And the first race is all, your first race every year, it's just like your first race when you started pigeon racing. The, the adrenaline rush you get is amazing, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah, it's, yeah. It's I, amazing. Get, it's I like, still get nervous. Yeah. I get nervous, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we all do. And, you know, we've been racing for 20 years, you know, and it's 
and more. And even Tony's been yeah. racing for how long, Tony? You've been racing oh, 40, okay. 40 years? 50. 100 years? 50 yeah. years. Yeah. 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, like any... I, 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 my uncle bus. was a pigeon flyer as well and a good pigeon flyer, Arthur Warwick. And I remember up at his place one day, we were watching him, he got super nervous, but he had a fan tail in one hand and a tin of, tin of poos in the other. And when the bird went through the three, he threw the tin of poos and had the fan tail in his hand. He didn't need ne- neither of them. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, that is gold. That is gold. Yeah. And I've heard it all over the years. Yeah. Oh, some of the funny things you get to see. Mm, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's good. It's a good hobby, though, isn't it? It's a really good oh, hobby. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I just love them. You know, exactly. I, I mean, people say, you know, hey, you know, what, what thrill do you get out of, out of watching a bird coming home? Well, it's either in you or it's not. You, you know what I mean? The, yeah, it's it's hard to explain. You know, you try, you you rate, you you pair up your pairs, you get the youngsters. Uh, then you yeah. you get you know you ring the youngsters you train them you break them in you got to train them um, yeah. you know yeah. and then you put them in the race and you know of course you it's you know it's as soon as you see that pigeon come home it's like yeah you beauty you know the, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 especially my second day races I just do fist pumps my missus thinks I'm mad you know I'm hopping around the backyard we clocked you got one you know especially yeah. when I get my grizzle I love my grizzles clocking my grizzles in the second day it's the best. Yeah, so I get a real kick yeah, out no, of it. Yeah, it is a big thrill. It, it big is, thrill. You're waiting there, waiting there, and you think, oh, God, what's going on? Yeah. And you hear that whoosh around oh, the house. Oh, yeah. Exactly, that noise, true. You're looking, you're looking, and you're looking for hours and hours. You're looking up. Oh, Jesus, it was a dove. Oh, my God, this one. No, it's a bloody, you know, magpie. You know, and then and then you you stop looking, and that's when it comes. Like you said, yeah, you, well, you hear that. My, my wife said to me the other day, she said to me, it's amazing, you know. You, you spend half your life looking into the sky. <laughs> it's true. You know, my my wife. She, I mean, when all she does now is look in the sky because that's all. You know, every time I'm, you know, we're together, we're driving. She'll spot mob of birds. Oh, look, there's a mob of pigeons. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. good job, love. good job, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. once it's in there in the blood, that's it. That's there to stay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Bob, we uh, wish you luck for next week. I hope we see your name up there again. And um, I thank you very much for being part of Pigeon Radio Australia today. No, it's been my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, and um, we'll give Rob a little bit of a plug. He's not on the line now, but um, he's a fantastic bloke and a very good uh, vet to have yeah, on your well, side. Well, as I say, that was his pigeon last week. So he's topped the fed with his bird. Now now I've topped the fed with his bird as well. So he's going, he's a... He's a, he's a real wonderful bloke, and he's, as I say, he's got very, very good pigeons. He knows how to keep them, uh, keep them well. He's a very astute with them, and uh, he's going to be very, very hard to beat. And well, at the moment, I, I, I regard him as the, the equal of the best flyer in Sydney for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. What do you reckon, Ivan? Yeah, I agree. With oh, that. mate, yeah, and and you know, no. position too. Like he's not in the top position. You know, no, he's not live in up there where position. you guys are. Well, you use the, the longer flyers That's now in the can. northern beaches now, aren't you? This yeah, season. on the south we're 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 pretty much the long markers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you see, and they get. But them. usually, usually you're, you're the short markers. Yeah, it's a lot of the time we are. But as I as I say, it doesn't matter where you live. You've got to get them in the first way. That's right. That's you're right, right, mate. All right, thanks very much, Bob. We'll catch up. Same to you, mate. All the best for the rest of the season. You're listening to 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. On the line for Pigeon Radio Australia from the Cairns Racing Pigeon Club, we have Rob Vanderveen, our correspondent up there. 
Hello, Rob. How are you? And uh, how's it going up there in Cairns? Yeah, good. Good, boys. It's been beautiful weather, nice and cool, finally. Beautiful. Good on you. Yeah, so conditions were fairly much like last week. So mm. it was all sunny and uh, no real strong winds to speak about and uh, good returns. Mm, good. <clears throat> yeah, so it panned out very well for everyone. So, um, yeah, next week we jump out. Oh. To 120, so that might change a little bit. Oh, yeah. um, we might see your name up there yeah. in the first place, then, would we? Next week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll come. It'll come. All right, no worries. Well, you got some results there for us. Tell us what happened. Um, yeah, I have. Look, the, um, the Tom, he, he's one of the newer flyers, so he picked up a win. So it's always nice when the uh, the newer guys get a placing. You know what I mean. Oh. Um, from when they build the loft, they get their birds and they start, you know, they go through all the stuff and they finally get flying and, oh. and um, yeah, they pick up a win. So um, uh, Aaron uh, Harper, he came in second. So he was only 30 seconds, I think, behind Tom, which oh. there wasn't much in that. Oh, not much uh, at all. No, and then I was 52. And then in fourth place was Dave Vermey. He was four minutes behind me. Oh. And Ralph, he, Ralph Thigerson, he came in um, seven minutes after. And then oh. Owen was last. But when you look at where he lives, yeah, he's um, probably in the worst place in the world. <laughs> I throw up in the Coranda Range. Oh. Well, so. you never know. You might get a headwind race and you'll be up in the first place. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's actually funny because uh, the GPSs are, are giving us some funny data because might have spoke to you once and told you about the range and how the birds won't cross yeah, it. Well, they crossed it. They're crossing it. Either they've been doing it before that we don't know of or because we've tossed from a different point this year, they're attempting to cross it. So um, Tom's bird actually... We, we put three GPSs on them, and all three birds took different routes. But right. all three birds came over the range, which Jeez. Is, is a little bit unusual. So Tom's bird came over the range and basically came over the range onto the highway and sort of flew into his loft. It sort of landed in a it, perfect – no one could have beaten him, you know what I mean? That's perfect. So I think – one of my birds and one of Aaron's birds might have been with that bird and they've split. His has gone to his place. I've mm. got to give him a little bit of time, I think, so he pips me and then my bird might have been in there and then flown back to my place. So, mm. um, yeah, at the moment, it's a little bit anyone's game, sort of. Just so about, what do you bring it down to? You've been tossing in front of this range to make them cross it all? No, I don't know what's going on. It's quite bizarre. If I had a look at if we didn't have the GPS results, and I looked at the results on paper, I, I couldn't have worked it out for the life of me how Tom won, you know what I mean? Oh. Just the way Kansas is designed, you know, it's just a long stretch with a bit of a dog leg, and we can usually work out who's sort of going to be in a place before the race occurs. But oh. um, it, it could possibly be that this has sort of been going on and we weren't aware of it because of the GPS. Oh. Um, but I, I don't think that's the case, um, actually. Uh, I think we've actually tossed 
we did a little tossing from another spot, which may have triggered something. Oh. Uh, it's hard to know, but they seem to be. We'll just keep doing it, monitoring it, and oh. see if there's some sort of break point out there that they're sort of splitting up. I might see if I can put a tracker on one of my birds and um, see what it does. So uh, the GPS is burying some of these theories that you all talk about at the club every week? Yeah, well, yeah, it's sort of – it's a little bit. It's a big one, actually, uh, because, you know, as I've always said that, they won't go over the range, you know. Oh, they won't. I think but, that's – GPS has proven that wrong. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. Um, You know, all those times I've been saying, eh, they don't really do like crossing the range, but every every step out we have, we're moving across, so every step out we're we're offline. We should do the same thing to see where these birds go. It helps you out with training and that, doesn't it? Yeah, it actually does because uh, Aaron actually did it. They were their birds were ranging, and they were wondering how far they were actually ranging. Oh. And um, they put the GPS on the birds, and uh, I think Aaron's or Stan's bird. I think he's going to be coming back and flying in a couple of weeks, hopefully. And there was another member that didn't fly this year, but. The birds went down and actually didn't go that far. They mm. get to a certain point and then they were just circling around an area for quite some time. Mm. Um, and they thought they were actually flying. They just got this imagination that they range quite a long way when the birds were actually not ranging that far. Mm. They were just they were out of sight, but um, they certainly weren't going miles and miles, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of right into that because uh, from that you can mm. you can learn a lot. The birds can teach you heaps, you know, mm. as to what they're doing. So, as I said before, we now we're moving westerly, so every, every step out we move onto a different line. Mm. So next time the pigeons will fly, they'll be more westerly than they were mm. this week and so on and so on until we get way across to Mount Surprise. Um, we liberate from Mount Surprise. It, okay. It's actually it's it's flat. It's sort of like when you're heading out towards Normanton, you go out to, um, you go through the highway there and you go through Mount Surprise and Georgetown and Croydon, if you know any of that, that, yeah. that West Country, you know. Yeah. And head towards Corumba sort of oh, thing, yeah. so... Oh, yeah, Karumba. Yeah, Rob, um, we'll just have to leave it right there now and uh, we'll be back with more of you after the Southern FM National Radio News and we'll hear more from Rob Van Der Veen and his uh, interesting tracking things with his racing pigeons and the Cairns Racing Pigeon Club after the Southern FM National Radio News.
You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Stop the pigeon, 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 how? Jab him, jab him, jab him, grab him, stop that pigeon now! You're tuned to Pigeon Radio Australia, the only devoted racing pigeon radio show in the whole wide world. On 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. And pigeonmedia.com.au is our website. And the Southern FM website is southernfm.com.au. And uh, just before the news, we were talking to uh, Rob Vanderveen from the Cairns Racing Pigeon Club about uh, the tracking of the birds from the race. And I was going to ask you, Rob, do they, did the birds show on the tracking that they were crossing through those wind farms again this week? Um, oh, I didn't really have a good look, but I don't think they went over there, but they'll soon be there anyway, <laughs> whether they like it or not. Mm. So um, that's where we're heading out that way. Mm. And um, as I said, I spoke about the Gillies Range. We the birds do come down to Gillies Range, but we will end up at Gillies Range and on the west side of the Gillies Range. So mm. I doubt whether these pigeons will go past the Gillies Range south of Cairns and go mm. up uh, along the range and then try and cross back to the loft. I wouldn't think they'd do that, but you know, it might surprise us yet, but I think um, a lot of the birds, as they're trying to go over and range and through the range, they're actually taking time to do it so it's slowing them up a little bit mm. but with um tom it was a, a blessing because when we looked at it we went oh we were looking at the data and we just went oh look where that bird came out right in front of its house basically so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was gold yeah well, so the bird absolutely knew which way he was going that's for sure yeah 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 it's pretty interesting and all three birds did um three different points droughts to get back to Cairns. so mm. Um, we don't know where they if which pigeon would be good if you had a, a, a ring on every bird, but that cost you a yeah, fortune. Cost you a fortune, yeah. Did, Aaron, it, yeah. Did, did Aaron get that bird that he clocked last week? Did he get that back? Yeah, he did. He got it back. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't cross over. The, didn't go over the hill this time. Yeah, I think it actually did another route. I'm not too sure. I'm always trying to study his results. But yeah. <laughs> I got close. Uh, uh, there wasn't much in it anyway. No, no, it was pretty. It was pretty good. It was, it was um, as I said, like everyone's a bit more cheerful when um, your returns are good, and uh-huh. um, you basically every, you're good to go for next week. Um, no, no bad losses that sort of keep you thinking about, oh, geez, other other birds not well, or <laughs> or something like that. Huh. Uh, yeah, so all the birds look to be good, and everything's going good. But um, hopefully that won't change too quick. Huh. But um, be good to step out a little bit because seventy five k's the birds are a bit notorious when they get home. I always find on the shorts huh. they're just they're. They want to, you know, do it a couple extra laps so yeah, they're not quite right. tired enough. Yeah, you're right. As long as you don't have results like last year, that's the main thing. 
Southern FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. 
Tara meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Taramood stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. Flyright is a nutritional balancer product designed to assist racing pigeons to reach their racing capability and potential. Flyright contains a number of natural ingredients such as prebiotics, herb extracts, oregano, yeast functional fibers designed to increase the number of favorable microflora within the gastrointestinal tract. Flyright is a natural physical barrier to pathogens. Order your Flyright now at appliednutrition.com.au or phone us on 07-3206-2568. Southern FM sponsor. Pigeon Racing Victoria presents the Victoria Cup 2023. With a guaranteed first prize of $100,000, Australia's biggest race is on again, this time from Cobar, New South Wales, on Sunday the 24th of September 2023. For details, visit pigeonracingvictoria.com. Southern FM sponsor. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia. Broadcast from Melbourne, Australia, on 88.3, Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside. On the line for Pigeon Radio Australia, we have the President of the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation on the line, and that's Mr Rod Churchill. Hello Rod, how are you, and welcome to Pigeon Radio Australia. Good evening, Ivan, and thank you very much uh, for inviting me on. Oh, that's good, Rod. Um, you had the King Island race on the weekend. you want to tell us a little bit about uh, who's won this King Island race and how did it go? How did the basketing go and everything like that? Yes, Ivan, we uh, had it yesterday. Basketing night was on Thursday night. We had 52 um, who competed in it. Um, there was a lot more there. It was a great night, but 52 competed in, which was hundred and five or hundred and six birds but anyway um it went down real well we had a great barbecue we had a few raffles and um um we also had a calcutta and um it was very good and who won the the, race in the end of the the, day uh the the ones who won it was abc evans brett evans who lives at helm yeah um second in it was uh kevin bush who lives over keysborough away there he's from the springvale club yeah and third in it was Wayne Williams, right up the top. Oh, there. So um, oh, yeah, it was that? well spread out. Yeah, very spread out. That's not bad. Yeah. And then there was only um, there was only a meter or a meter and a half between the first three uh, placings. So Gee. they were all pretty close, right down the line. So it was a really, really good race. Oh, very good, excellent. It's on again this week. So yeah. um, 
We've got a, a heap of um, same raffle prizes. There's um, Green Valley Grain Food. There's oh. uh, meat raffles. Uh, Gary Gillard has donated a heap of his products. So, yeah. um, and there's even a Colin Walker book donated by Colin Walker. Oh, all right. So, and um, um, when when is it? Thursday night basketing this week? <coughs> is it like tomorrow the, night? Well, the program's Wednesday, so it's tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. The program what it goes the air Wednesday night oh, yeah. doesn't. It? Well, th- basketing's on Thursday night. Yep. And as you know, Ivan, uh, we've done in previous times, everybody has to come to Dandenong Centre to bask their birds, yep. but we're allowing people like yourself in other centres to um, pull the clocks over on the Saturday evening. Oh, so, beautiful. Um, Excellent. Makes it a bit easier, saves them travelling. I think yeah. the boys that pulled from up north pulled over at Ivanhoe, I think it was, where they pulled their um, okay. so clocks it's, over it's there. Much so safer, yeah, it's much, sa- much safer for people that don't have to rush down the highway and stuff like no, that. No, that's true. Very yeah. true, Ivan. But, uh, no, it was very good. It was a good race, all in, in total. I, I think most blokes I spoke to had their two pigeons home in, um, you know, half an hour or 20 minutes from the first one they got, or a couple got them both together. So yeah. it was very good. Very yeah. good race. Oh, very good. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll look forward to the next race next week, and uh, I'll probably ring you up again to get a report on that. Yeah, not a problem. That's good. Yeah, now, that's um, the Greater Melbourne's had some very sad news in the past week, and we learned here at Pigeon Radio Australia that um, one of the founding members of the Greater Melbourne, was, who was Noel Fleming, passed away. Yes, yep. Yeah, no, Noel Fleming. I knew Noel very well over the years. Um, he, it goes back, I, I contacted Noel Fleming back in about 1971. I lived down at One Thaggy. I was president at One Thaggy Club, and we got notified that the rail was closing down. We, Ivan, we used to send our pigeons on the rail, oh, and yeah, what yeah. that meant, they went like Bendigo, yeah, Mildura, yeah. Horsham. We went as far as... Uh, Port Perry and two wells mm. on the rail. Mm. And the station yeah. master used to let them up, was that right? Is that yeah, the station master used to let them up. We used to put a sign on it and um, with a phone number, they'd either ring us or we would ring them when they got there and mm. they'd water them. Um, the longer races, we'd put a bit of feed in in one of the baskets and um, it was really good and mm. um, that way. So, But when it looked like closing down, I contacted Noel Fleming back in 1971 and told him the situation. Mm. The next week he was down at my place in Wonsaggy and um, we sat down, both he and Tina, Tina Dark, his partner, yes, yes. many, many years. We sat down and talked about it and um, he said, I'll do my damnedest and um, we formed a really good relationship after that and... Uh, he bent over backwards for us, so oh, um, we bought. Used to, as he said, you won't be able to fly against the Greater Melbourne Federation because you're too far out. And we thought, well, we don't care. We just want our birds carted. Mm. We used to bring them down to Dandenong Club Rooms and mm. uh, put them on the uh, trailer. We, they used to have a real big um, triaxle trailer, and mm. um, he used to contact me, let me know when the birds were up and all that, and. Um, Got our results and everything. I mean, I'm talking that he would be midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and that he'd be still still doing results from the Saturday's sure. race. Yeah, because they used to have to do them manually in those days. They didn't had they? that's right, and you had the old fax machines yeah. to send out any results. Yeah, so. I remember that. And we had this. You had to calculate them on this. Well, in Ballarat, we yeah. had a calculator thing. That's right. You had a um, a calculator that was set up. He gave us a bit of a a program what worked on it yeah, and your right. seconds were 
divided down into decimals and uh, yeah it was good and you used to have to wait um, your turn to get on it to get the results because yeah. um, he would put them on after midnight yeah. and uh, there'd be blokes early hours of the morning still trying to get the results. <laughs> so then after a couple of years um, we scaled a meeting and they opened the bound- what they call the boundaries and oh. um, we had an inner and outer boundary. There was an inner boundary and there was an outer boundary which everybody competed in and um, Gee, that's a good idea. How did that work, Rod? That worked very, very well. Yeah, that, that sounds like a really good idea. Like that, yeah, that could work um, with other federations now, wouldn't it? it would well, it was it was really good how it worked. You had your inner boundary, right, which was a federation, yeah. and then they had what they called an open fed, which meant that it opened to the the outer boundary or country flyers like um, the One Faggy Club, and then Packenham joined <laughs> in it, and then Mornington came into it, Mornington Peninsula. Yeah. And we had a really, really good outer boundary fed as well. Unbelievable. That's and, very good. Um, it worked very well for many, many years. But as it got on, uh, um, they got less and less flies. Then all oh. of a sudden, it was completely open to everyone. Um, yeah. One thaggy boys were racing against the boys down here, and yeah. they held their own. And how did you uh, find that when that happened in the Greater Melbourne? Was that a, Did it affect it? <laughs> like people talk no. about drag and stuff like that? No. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Nah. You know, they all talk about that, but, you know, like, they, they talk about the drag. You know as well as I, up to 300, the wind governs everything. Yes. No doubt about it. Yeah, um, the wind governs everything. I, I can remember it was on grand final day in one race, and um, I forget where we were flying from. I think it was about 350 mile, and um, I watched the uh, start of the game, mm. and um, I can remember it, and they put, used to let the balloons up. Mm. And the balloons from the ground headed south. And I oh. thought, gee, there's a wind down there in Melbourne. Um, oh. And there was nothing up at One Faggy. I walked outside to set the thing up and the pigeon flew straight in, into the loft. So, um, and I won the Fed on that. But, <laughs> oh, good on you. Uh, but yeah. most times it was pretty even, mate. Very, yeah. you know, it, as we say, it was governed by the wind, but it went across very even. And it was like that for many years. And yeah. um, Packenham and that and Mornington are still flying. Yeah. Um, in the Federation. That's right. So. They still fly in your Federation. There's no yeah. drag issues or anything like that either. And on the day, the, the best bird on the day wins a race. That's basically. correct. I mean, as we know, now and again, when the, the wind was there, the birds would go down the other side of the bay, jump, a co- jump across down there near um, uh, Rosebud Rye. The boys would get them there, then they would come back up. But that's pigeon racing. Yeah, it, that's um, right. It was taken pretty well. And, um, yeah. You know, just as long as you're racing your pigeons, I think that's the main that's thing. That's the main so, thing. Have fun, race your pigeons, and everybody be in it together and make one big yeah. competition out of it. Well, look, look in, Rod, look in, um, this is Joe Angelino, how are you going? Yeah, mate. This, look at, uh, in Europe, you've got 20,000 birds going up. Do they worry about drag? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Your best well, pigeon I, wins. Yeah. And I was talking to uh, a guy in Queensland. We were up there a couple of weeks ago, having on, and they're, they're, Fed boundaries there are huge. Yeah, like, they are. They're, they're yeah. a long, long yeah, way. Yeah, they are. They, they find it all right. I was surprised how far their boundaries go up there when, mm. not, when I was told. So, mm. you know. Mm. But, um, no, that's good. Now, I also noticed that um, Noel was a, a life member of the Greater Melbourne. Correct, yeah. Um, he was a life member. So is Tina. Yeah. Tina, Tina's also a life member. I mean, a lot of people knew Noel very well, but they don't really understand what Noel actually did. Hmm. Well, for pigeon racing in general, but definitely for the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation, he just, um, 
I mean, at one stage there, I think he held about six or seven positions mm. because nobody else <laughs> nobody wanted, else to, do wanted to do the and work. That's uh, true. Yeah. Now, like, I, I can remember he was president, he was um, clock chairman, he was liberator, he was ring Jeez. secretary. Wow. Um, what else was he? He was, oh, I used to go around and verify. Back in those days, you used to have to verify the Fed winner yeah. the next day or day. He used to go around and do all that. Wow, and uh, when he lived in Eltham, and um, he'd travel out this way and that, so um, he was, yeah, he but, was probably um, a ring secretary too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got an interview of uh, we were lucky enough to chat to Noel in 2020. Yeah, uh, in June in 2020, we were uh, lucky enough to chat with Noel and Tina was the present. Yeah. So um, after this talk. Um, as a tribute to Noel and for the many great things he did for pigeon racing, I'm going to play that entire, repeat that entire interview again, so we can hear his wonderful voice. Oh, terrific, Ivan! That, yeah. That's terrific to do that. I mean, um, yeah, um, I mean, everyone says, "Oh, yeah, he, he didn't. He, he flew a fair pigeon. He got him on his day." But the thing I think it was, he did more for everything else. He's more involved in doing more for the clubs and federations than what he did for his pigeons. Oh. So that was just what the man was like. I mean, I can remember we used to go as a jockey. When they were at Heidelberg Club, each club had to send uh, a member as a jockey. So we'd go up to Heidelberg to pick the pigeons up. Mm. You'd walk into there and you'd you'd be there and there'd be tea, coffee, um, mm. toasted raisin bread and um, and a sandwich always in there waiting for you. You know, mm. that's just the way that club was and it was run by uh, Noel and Tina. Gee, that's unreal. That's, that's how it and that's what we used to do in Ballarat too. We used to basket our birds in Ballarat in the old days when I was when I moved when I got married to my my wife and we and I lived in Ballarat because she was from Ballarat. Um, and I raced up there. We used to bring a, we used to all have to bring a plate to the club. Yes. Yep. Right. And then after we finished basketing the birds, we used to sit around the pot belly stove. Uh, tell stories and have have a nice feed and a, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Well, we used to do the same thing, Ivan, and now you reminded me too. Back in one thaggy, um, we had up to 28 <laughs> members there when I was yeah, there. that's right. And um, we used to have what you call a progressive dinner. Oh, yeah. What it meant that um, I would start it off and I might have um, um, the entree. We would go to your place. Have a main meal, and then we go to someone else's place Jeez, and have right. dessert or something like that's that. A good idea. I but like it'd be that. somewhere. Where, well, Noel and Tina used to come up to them. They would travel up from Heidelberg, yeah, Eltham there, and they would come up and um, stay, and they would go to them. Those oh, we'd have those progressive dinners. So, no, that was good. So, we got to remember Noel as a great man for the pigeon racing sport in Melbourne and Victoria, definitely, and, and he'd done a lot for for and and you know may he rest in peace in that great loft up in the sky. Rob. That's definitely right, mate. Yes, and um, I hope Wednesday's the funeral, yeah, and um, at two o'clock at um, Tobin Brothers there in Doncaster, <laughs> Doncaster Road. Yeah. Um, I hope to see um, quite a few of the old pigeon flyers that yeah. probably. You know, as long as me, or maybe even longer. Mm. So and I, I hope see, to see there's you know, a drink at the Doncaster there. Inn after on on Noel. Correct. That's correct. Yes, in the Doncaster Inn after. That is right, yeah. Ivan. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, fantastic, Rod. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm. Is Tina still still with us? And, and uh, Tina's still with us. She hasn't been well for a while in herself. Um, 
She's always been a very frail little lady, oh. but um, I suppose, you know, worrying about Noel and the things she's had to do for Noel and oh. taking me there has been paying on her. But um, I spoke with an old um, member there last week and he said that um, Tina hasn't been well in herself oh, of late. So um, oh. um, I hope she, um, you know, comes through good I and... Gets on with it. I know it's a, a big loss for us. Yeah, many, many it's very years hard, yeah, when you lose somebody um, like yeah, so. It's very hard when you lose somebody close to you like that. Oh, yeah. And they were. Mm. They were very close, you know. They, they Yeah, very. Mm. No matter where Noel was, Tina was always mm. there. And, and she sounds, always used to put her, her bit in as well. Mm, and you it know? sounds um, like she was very yeah. interested in the pigeon racing too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well... Sincere condolences from Pigeon Radio Australia to Nolan, his family, and to all his friends and uh, loved ones that uh, and and all his club fellow club members and that yes. who used to race with him as well. Yes, yeah, we we had uh, I spoke about it on Thursday night at the club, and there was a few guys there from his own club there at Heidelberg yeah. that participated in it, and we had a minute silence for him oh, before we did the, the basket, so, which was very good, you know. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, uh, Rod. And um, right after our talk right now, we're going to listen to Noel yep. Fleming's voice once again to remind us of what a, what a great man he was. Correct, yeah. No, thank you very much, Ivan, and thank you very much, boys, for inviting me on. No worries, no Rod. Worries, thank mate. you for being on Pigeon Radio Australia. Thanks, mate. Thanks bye very bye. much. Bye. bye. And right now on Pigeon Radio Australia, we're going to take a short break, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back with a tribute to the late Noel Fleming, an interview Pigeon Radio Australia did in June of 2020. So we'll be back after this and hear the voice of the late Noel Fleming. Green Valley Grains is a proud Australian family-owned business that uses only quality Australian-grown ingredients. Green Valley Grains products deliver superior nutrition for a range of animals, including poultry, farm, bird and small animal. A Green Valley Pigeon Blend, whether it's the new High Flyer Mix, Racing, Breeding or Original Pigeon Mix with Pro Nature, guarantees feed-safe accredited quality for your birds. Visit Southern FM sponsor GreenValleyGrains.com. Yellow Drops is now available in Australia and distributed by Natural Pigeon Products. The Authentic Yellow Drops is a product used by the great champions in pigeon racing for decades. They eliminate almost instantaneously, naturally, the fungi, trichomonas and bacteria existing in the upper digestive and respiratory system. To order your Yellow Drops now, call Natural Pigeon Products on 035 or pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM sponsor Your one-stop produce and farming supplies Taramead We get racing pigeons racing horses racing cattle and poultry feeding All racing pigeon products and supplements available We also have live poultry sales Taramead stock feed and farming supplies 1227 Holden Road Tulin Vale Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. 
Flyright is a nutritional balancer product designed to assist racing pigeons to reach their racing capability and potential. Flyright contains a number of natural ingredients such as prebiotics, herb extracts, oregano, yeast functional fibers designed to increase the number of favorable microflora within the gastrointestinal tract. Flyright is a natural physical barrier to pathogens. Order your Flyright now at appliednutrition.com.au or phone us on 07320625568 Southern FM sponsor. Pigeon Racing Victoria presents the Victoria Cup 2023. With a guaranteed first prize of $100,000, Australia's biggest race is on again, this time from Cobar, New South Wales, on Sunday the 24th of September 2023. For details, visit pigeonracingvictoria.com. Southern FM sponsor. Southern FM sponsor. I had a dream that someday I would just fly, fly away. And I always knew I couldn't stay So I had a dream that I just fly away You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside And I always knew I couldn't stay So I had a dream that I just fly away, away, oh And it's over to Tony McPherson who has some very special guests to introduce for us uh, thank you, Ivan. Um, today we've uh, got uh, two of the um, founding members of the uh, Greater Melbourne uh, Pigeon Federation, um, and they're both life members of the uh, um, Greater Melbourne Pigeon Fe- Federation, Noel Fleming and Tanner Dark. Uh, welcome to Pigeon Radio to you both. Oh, Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Now, um, uh, either one of you can um, have a bit of a chat about... Uh, now, I know, Tina, you were the Secretary of the uh, Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation, is that correct? That's right, for many years. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, how many years? But um, how many is many? I'm not really sure, because I was really involved in a lot of other things as well. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Okay, yeah. It was a few. Uh, sorry? It was a few. <laughs> now you also you're the artistic side of the uh, of the duo um, with your creation um, doing your um, calligraphy. Yes. Am I am I right in saying that? Yes, that's true. And uh, what is the name of your creations? CNF Creations. We sort of um, do awards, diplomas. Wedding um, invitations, personalised birthday greetings, you name it, we will try it. Yes, I know uh, uh, the Greater Melbourne has been um, very uh, happy with the with your um, calligraphy and, and the certificates that we've received over over the many years from the um, from your um, 
very uh, uh, creative hands, actually, because um, there's a lot of work going into this, isn't there? There is, but I enjoy doing it. I really, once I start, I really enjoy doing it. Yeah, uh, I know the um, the members uh, thoroughly enjoy the work that you put into it and um, really uh, appreciate the uh, the hard work and, and the certificates that are created. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah we, we get a lot of feedback on that, and I dare say you do too. Yes, it's nice to hear. It's always good to, to get a positive response. Yes, yeah, for sure. Now, um, Noel, you're, you're on the other side of the duo. Not so, uh, not so um, artistic, but uh, a pretty good orator. Orator, you're pretty good on the with the words. Now you were the president at the time at the Greater Melbourne when you were were there. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, when it was formed, I was the president. Yes, um, uh, it was. Prior to being the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation, it was the Heidelberg Pigeon Combine. Yeah. That was a group of clubs, um, Heidelberg, Dandenong and Ferntree Gully. And uh, then when um, the Eastern Fed started to fall apart and Croydon joined the Heidelberg Combine, Croydon were a pretty big club in those days, um, we felt that the name Heidelberg no longer represents the catchment area that we were getting members from and um, the motion was put up to the Melbourne Pigeon Federation and that was amended to be called the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation, uh, which I think was a good name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we went on and picked up clubs like uh, Sherbrooke and uh, Frankston and and so forth, and uh, it just grew quite big. Um, a lot of younger flyers joining it because it's, uh, it's a fairly low-cost operation, and they tried to keep the overheads down. They didn't have, like, a um, headquarters or anything that was draining the money. Uh, there was no overhead, actually, and uh, uh, that enabled them to keep the prices very... Uh, economic for the people, you know, battlers that were um, buying homes or for pensioners that were on a limited yeah. Yep. Now, I understand, Noel, that the um, the uh, GMPF was uh, formed in the um, in the garage of one of the members of Dandenong. Is that right, Kurt? Was it um, Curtin? It wasn't actually in the garage. It was in his lounge room. Yeah. Um, uh, it was one of our annual general meetings, and uh, that was when the motion went up to change the name from the Heidelberg Combine to the Melbourne Pigeon Federation. It was then amended to the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation, and um, I think one of your existing members that was at that meeting is still part of Greater Melbourne. That's Rodney Cook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. He. Uh, Rod's still a, uh, a member of the of the Greater Melbourne uh, Pigeon Federation, now flying down at uh, Morning Mist and holds a position down at Morning Mist, I think, as the, as the treasurer of the uh, of the club down there. Um, I know that uh, there was uh, many members there, uh, probably uh, still a lot of members that um, were in the inaugural uh, 
set up at the Greater Melbourne that uh, are still flying, um, Steve Cameron being one. Steve Cameron, um, but unfortunately, some have just recently passed away. Uh, Laurie Shepherd played a big role. Uh, yes. Basically in the Danny Non Club in the early days. Uh, uh, he was a, a very strong leader down there and responsible for a lot of what Danny Non had achieved. Uh, well, he just recently passed away. And another one that was involved in those days was Ralph Jones, that was from your club, Croydon. And he's just recently passed away as well. So, um, yes, yeah. uh, um Unfortunately, both gentlemen um, have gone, um, and uh, they both, yeah, were very good, uh, hard-working people um, for the uh, welfare of the uh, of um, pigeon racing on this side of town, especially. Um, uh, they put a lot of work, a lot of work in. One thing too was that they, the effort they put in, was for the general good of the federation. They weren't sort of ruled by ego or anything like that, that they were um, interested in what they were achieving. It was more what was the good for everybody. And uh, I think that's important in anyone that's running any organisation. Um, sometimes people's egos get too, too carried away and they get more involved in their self-importance rather than what's in the best interest of everybody. True enough, then. I'll um. Now, back then, back then in the Greater Melbourne, they had a uh, their, their their former transport. Tell us a bit about that. How how they uh, created That's their one transport. Of, one of the key. Well, originally when we first started off, we used to send the birds by rail. Um, we used to go and put them on at the local railway station and send them that way, and. Um, that was right up to Mildura, which was the furthest we could go, and then you could go up to Daniliquin because Vic Rail actually ran a service to Daniliquin. Um, surprisingly enough, uh, with basket on a Friday night, the birds wouldn't get watered or fed, but our returns were really good. It was a little bit different to these days. I don't think we had a lot of the diseases around that we have now, but um, they, the birds used to come home fine, and um, yet they weren't getting fed or watered, um, but then as the Fed grew, uh, obviously um, we started taking up much bigger space on the trains and um, we started using those units. The, um, uh, we started off with a, like what they use for tossing pigeons these days, but uh, as we got bigger, we ended up with three units. We had a very big one that took about 3,000 pigeons. Uh, medium one that took 2,000 and a small one and at the beginning of the season we'd run the whole three and it enabled us to basket on Friday night because they'd be running out of the different centres and they were able to get to the race points uh, often before midnight or just after midnight um, for a Saturday release and um, <coughs> that helps keep your costs down. Um, also, if we filled the big okay. unit, the 3,000 third unit, that had already covered the cost of running the other units anyway. We had more money than we got to, knew what to do with if we filled that one. Um, but as we went further up during the season, we dropped a unit off or two units off. So the cost was diminishing the further we went because we weren't employing so many drivers or so many vehicles. And 
the vehicles that we did run were all coming out of budget hire. Um, we used to go and say to budget, look, we want to hire a uh, four-wheel drive land cruiser for um, 26 weeks. And as soon as you say that to a hire company, you ought to see uh, what sort of really good deals you can do. Yes, I can imagine that. Uh, also, Noel, when you'd, uh, you, uh, in our previous discussions, um, you were saying to me that um, each uh, club would supply a, a jockey to go up with the driver. Um, uh, so it was shared shared around the clubs uh, as to who did the releasing of the birds. Is that is that how I read it? Or how I heard it? In those days, most of the feds used semi-trailers or big trucks. And because we used those units, um, uh, the big unit was a triaxle, but because we used those, we used to come up with, from a lot of criticism from people from other feds. They say, oh, you rush your birds up there, they don't clear... You don't take them to where you say you're going to take them. So we brought in a system where each club was put on a um, schedule that they, uh, two times a year, they'd have to supply a member to go up with the birds as a jockey. And um, they'd go up with a camera and sometimes a video camera. They'd um, take pictures of what happened with the birds being fed and watered, etc. Um, and anyone that was a bit critical of our transport, um, if they brought it up in a meeting and said, look, you know, we're worried about this, well, um, of course, they were slotted in for the next week to go up and have a look for themselves. And any of the ones that were critical, when we came back, they'd have a totally different attitude. They'd say it's not like what we expected. And um, it, it did wonders that, Members actually got to see what work was put into liberating the birds with the weather, with the uh, um, weather bureau reports, um, choosing the points of um, liberation, etc. And uh, uh, it just led to, in general, the members having a lot of confidence in the system because they, they knew they'd have, well, each club would have one or two members each year that would go up. And, of course, they'd be reporting back to their clubs, oh, look, this is really well run and it really goes well. And that, um, Whereas when you've got the same people doing it every week, often you get people talking behind their backs and saying things which are never really true, but, uh, um, you know, this is what happens in backyard meetings. Yeah, no doubt about that, no. Uh, now, over the years, uh, the Greater Melbourne had a uh, inner boundary and an outer boundary, uh, which can you uh, explain what that all all meant um, to other people that you know wouldn't wouldn't have a clue what you're talking about? But um, within the Greater Melbourne, that's what we had. That was one of the things that disappointed me after we left because they they dropped that. Um, we had a boundary of I think it was 50k, but. We also had a number of races, like say we'd have three races from 200 and three races from 300. Um, a couple of those races from each race point would be uh, in-boundary fed and an open-boundary fed, so we were getting two sets of results. Both sets were... You could win both feds on the one day. Uh, for instance, an in-boundary flyer, he could win both feds and win 
double money. But an outer boundary flyer, if you flew with Pakenham or um, Mornington or Wonsaggy, they could fly in what was called the um, open fed, which was had no boundary whatsoever. So flyers were getting, inbounders were getting a double chance. They could fly in the inboundary and the outer boundary, and the outer boundary flyers at least getting to fly against the other, you know, the inboundary flyers and the outer boundary fed. And it worked really, really well. And, and clubs like Wonsaggy were quite um, large clubs in their day. Uh, Rod Kirchett started up in Wonsaggy. That's where he said got into the pigeons. And I think he was president down there for a while. Yeah, uh, And uh, Pakenham was quite a, a, a big club as well. So, um, you know, we probably had 30 or 40 flyers that were outside the normal boundaries that were still getting to fly fed races. Yeah, unfortunately, Montaggy uh, uh, is now gone, um, uh, and I say unfortunately because you know uh, there were some really, really good flyers down there. Uh, also, the Mornington Club uh, that has uh, this year, I think, um, fallen by the wayside, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, the, the Greater Melbourne now has Roseboat Club in, in the in the uh, federation, and I think those fanciers that left Mornington have, have joined um, Rosebud. Mind you, uh, it sort of dropped off very quickly. Um, we had some really good uh, workers at uh, at uh, Mornington, and um, now. Um, yeah, our secretary, uh, Dominic Perruitt. Um, he's the, uh, well, he was the only member at, uh, Mornington, I think, that was, that was racing this year. So I, I think Mornington's sort of being put into mothballs at this moment, which is very unfortunate. Uh, it's but, a trend all over, though, with the pigeon racing. Um, you know, I, I remember the days when the Springvale Club had over 70 members once upon a time. Yes. And it's The big clubs seem to have gone, you know, like a big club these days. Uh, you're lucky to have 20 members in a club. <laughs> it's not the way it used to be, but I, I think we're not attracting the youth in general. Uh, there's too many other alternatives for them now, plus... Uh, I know my grandson, he's bought a house up in Woolworth. He's got no backyard. He's got room for a, a, a clothesline, but he's got no room to build a, a pigeon loft. And that's becoming the norm. And uh, it, it's probably something that I think in general the pigeon organisations could have a look at because there are people that would like to fly pigeons that can't fly pigeons. Um, you know, maybe we could have some community lofts or something like that where people can actually still keep an interest in the pigeons. Oh, look, I, I, I do agree with you there. Uh... Give, give you another example. Just a couple of streets from me, um, Jack Smith lives. Now, Jack's a, been a, a very good flyer over many years. He's one. Yeah. Um, You're a number one flyer. Yeah. Jack, I just caught up with him. Um, if he walks up from the pigeon loft to his back door, he's out of breath and he just can't manage to race the pigeons anymore. His health's not <clears throat> good enough. But I'm sure he'd like to fly some pigeons if he was able to. Yes. Uh, 
because yeah, uh, I, I think he's still capable of being able to breed them. And um, uh, but we don't really have those facilities. And yeah. I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think in Greater Melbourne, you're not allowed to have two flyers out of the one lot, are you? Uh, no. Uh, no. No, the Greater Melbourne look. We've got a rule that it's um, one one fancier per property. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, there's been discussion in regards to um, having uh, two lofts, but two different fanciers, and but you've got a, a bird limit. There has been discussions, but we've got a thirty uh, a forty bird limit for the first six races, and then a thirty bird limit. Thereafter, so there has been some discussions in regards to having two fancies at the at the, the one property. Um, if you were going to race forty birds, it would be spread over those two fancies, twenty each. Um, uh, and they've got to be legitimate um, uh, people. You know, it's no good. To, it's sort of uh, you know, there's a lot of people that. Would, as you say, Noel, would love to race their pigeons. Um, a, a prime example at this moment is Jack Kidd. Jack Kidd and Neville Aratan formed a partnership. Jack uh, um, had moved, and uh, so they formed a partnership at, at Daniel. But they fly as a partnership, but uh, they fly to Neville's, Neville's loft. Um, so in that regards, like uh, Bob Pendlebury at the moment, Here's another prime example. Um, he can't um, have his bird have birds at his place, but uh, he's got sound knowledge, uh, real sound knowledge, and everything. He would be ideal to partner up with someone, uh, uh, partner up with a novice, you know, and uh, pass on his knowledge. And I think that's something that's uh, missing at this moment. Is is the the older generation take their knowledge with them uh, and it, it doesn't get passed on the way it should. Yeah, and I, I think the other factor, Tony, is the young people that are, if, if you have a look at the new estates that are going in up north here, yeah. you wouldn't be able to put a pigeon lot there. Um, the houses are so close together, it's not funny, but the backyards are so tiny. Um, yeah. If they have an interest in, in pigeons, they're not going to be able to fly from their own place. It's just impossible. No. No. And we're not catering for those type of people. Um, no. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, but I, I'm not quite sure what it's like down towards the Pakenham, why how big the blocks are down there. The uh, they're no bigger, no, unfortunately. I think if you wish to buy land, you, um, yeah, you, you, you're more into the semi-rural. But uh, um, down around Lang Warren and down further, you know, you've got bigger blocks and blocks of land and things like that. But, uh, yeah, you've got to have a, a few bob to be able to buy it. And the, uh, as you know, the, uh, I don't know how you started racing pigeons, but how I started was my, my, my pop started, back, uh, got me into pigeons back in 1963. And, um, as I got older and, you know, playing sports and, chasing um, other birds. Um, I didn't come back into racing pigeons until uh, 1983. And uh, so 
and I was fortunate enough to have some land, uh, a property in Cheltenham, and uh, a, a big enough block there. But um, since I sold that place, there's six units on it. <laughs> you know, and uh, if you went anywhere uh, in the older suburbs, you had a bit of backyard, but in the newer suburbs, you got none, none whatsoever. In, in the street that we live in, Tony, um, the developers are buying the quarter-acre blocks and uh, pulling the houses down and putting six units on. Yes. Um, now, we had, what, uh, 18 months ago, we had a knock on the door, Chinese guy, actually, who offered us a million dollars for our house. Yeah. And uh, we knocked it back, and he's just recently came back and offered us a little bit more than a million dollars. Um we love where we live, but if we sold it, we're going to pay that much to buy another place, and we probably end up in my backyard. <laughs> about it It happens every day I should think of the present cause the present's now Well I remember when I was young I won a trip that got you to the movies To look tough we light a smoke and we very nearly choke but we had a real good time Sometimes I think about it. it happens every day. I should think of the present. Cause the present's now. The present's now, baby. Well, that wraps up another edition of Pigeon Radio Australia here on 88.3 Southern FM. It's goodbye to the Maltese Falcon, Mr. Tony Barbara. Goodbye, Bill. Goodbye, Joe. Goodbye, listeners. And goodbye to everybody around the world. Mm. Your voice is coming back, Tony. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, Mr. Angelino. Goodbye, mm. listeners. Goodbye, Tony. Goodbye, Ivan. Uh, we had a great show. and all Our racing say, season's getting close oh, now. It's getting close. <clears throat> it's getting very close. And um, all I'm going to say is next week we've got something bigger and better. So stay tuned and, yeah, look out. All right, and that's it for Pigeon Radio Australia this week. Cheerio! So I just spent my holiday just thinking of the ways I must have gone wrong. Sometimes I think about it, happens every day.